This is James Jude Courtney. I'm the new Michael Myers, and you're listening to the Epic Film Guys podcast. Thanks for being here, guys. gentlemen and welcome to a brand new episode of the epic film guys podcast actually a podcast mini-sode uh this is going to feature Paige joy of elm street radio and the fredheads documentary who joined loy sauce to give uh, a great review of spike lee's joint the five bloods the latest film from spike lee over on netflix unfortunately i just had to cut this up and split it into a couple of different little bits and parts. I explain more at the end of this, but I don't want to take up any more time. So let's get over to that mini so you guys can enjoy that review of Five Bloods. And now it's just me and Paige. So let us dive right in. Paige, are you ready? I am so ready. Fabulous. So this past weekend, uh, the new Spike Lee joint premiered on Netflix called Five Bloods. Uh, This film tells the story of four African-American Vietnam War veterans. Uh, Paul, played by Delroy Lindo. Otis, played by Clark Peters. Eddie, played by Norm Lewis. And Melvin, played by Isaiah Whitlock Jr., who returned to Vietnam decades later after the war. Um, Their objective for the mission is to retrieve the remains of their fallen squad leader, Storm and Norman, played by Chadwick Boseman, uh, and search for buried gold. Uh, But once they're in the harsh, unforgiving Vietnam jungles, the Bloods are confronted by forces who want the treasure for themselves, the remnants of the war still left behind, uh, their own inner demons, and perhaps even each other. So um, I think it's a... Well, let me actually, let me ask you before we begin, Paige, uh, because I'm curious. Are you familiar with Spike Lee's work at all? Um, I have seen, I believe, Do the Right Thing. And what is the other film? I'm I'm familiar with some of them just because of my fiance, his his love of them. So I've watched them with him, but not enough to know them to be like, oh, this is a Spike Lee joint film, you know? Yeah. So um, I'm curious then your initial thoughts on the Five Bloods. I really liked it. I feel like the symbolism behind it. There's there's a few a few things that are are transparent like the ptsd situation with um paul the character paul i really felt like that's what a lot of the soldiers were going through i have an uncle who was in vietnam and never fully recovered from it and we would hear stories growing up about um the experiences that he had and and he turned to drug use for it and so that's one aspect of this film but then also i wasn't really super well versed in Vietnam, Vietnam. And so to see that the the black GI, that they sent them to be their forefront. They sent them to essentially be slaughtered in this war while back home, the civil rights movement was going on. And I didn't know that. So for this film, to me, this film was a big um, educational 
film for me. And I really appreciated it. And I was blown away by the acting. Um, Delroy Lindo, I think, deserves an Oscar for this role. Just the amount of emotions and everything you go through. And I, I don't want to spoil it because I don't know how much you're going to tell about, about the film. But that ending with his son in that letter, I was in tears. And I just thought, this is so good. Like this film just hits on every single message. And it even speaks to today. Watching that opening montage, I'm very political, very activist oriented. Um, and watching that opening montage, it just really made me feel a lot of things. One of which is, is we still have not learned the lessons of that time in today. And I feel like the younger generation, whether it be Gen Z or I'm on the tail end of the older spectrum of the millennials, I feel like we're fighting to change that because we don't want to continue on what has been in our past. And I just think a movie like this is so important now more than ever. This has come out at the right time. And that's to me this film we were talking earlier off air about how i didn't really make a whole lot of notes on this film because i just was engulfed in watching it and i mean that's how i feel about it what are your thoughts on it well i could not have said it better myself and we'll break down certain things uh, as we go like the performances which as you, as you mentioned are just stellar but so i i, I asked uh, if you had if you were familiar with Lee's work, because in a lot of ways, De Five Bloods is reminiscent of many of them. So it's a very different story, of course. But as far as the tone, um, De Five Bloods echoes Spike Lee's, in my opinion, just like indispensable 1989 classic, Do the Right Thing, where it like deceptively, like it, it starts out very funny and very freewheeling, almost like a hangout movie, but there's just like an undercurrent of anger and and, and poignancy, like just beneath the surface. Um, and I think that is like the sneaky power of <laughs> Spike Lee's films. Um and it's just so fascinating to me, too, because the film itself spans multiple like tones and genres. You have the buddy comedy aspect. You have, it, it, at times, it's an action-packed war epic. There's treasure hunting adventure. There's like really emotional family drama. There are very intentional references to the likes of Vietnam movies that we've seen in the past, movies like Apocalypse Now, and also very overt references to the treasure of the Sierra Madre. But what I think The Five Bloods does that's so fresh is that it's kind of like writing a historical wrong in a way, mm -hmm. and that the stories of Black veterans um, have not been told, or at least they have not been told often enough in Hollywood movies. Um, so you mentioned the historical context. I think it's clear that Spike Lee has done extensive research into his subject and the, the film kind of blurs that fantasy with the history. So many times uh, throughout it pays tribute to, you know, civil rights icons like, you know, Angela Davis and of course, Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. uh, black soldiers and, and war heroes. You have music legends like the temptations and Marvin Gaye who Aretha Franklin. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Marvin yeah. Gaye's music plays throughout. So um, a technique that this movie uses is that it, it cuts to photos of these figures as they're mentioned to kind of give historical context. Did you think that was effective or did you think that was distracting when it would cut from the, ac uh, the action or the scene to photos or old footage of these figures? So at first I felt like 
because I don't know enough about Spike Lee, uh, about his um, body of work to know, is this his style? Like, is that what he does? Because at first it was a little bit of like a jarring thing. Like, a, oh, this, it cut away from the film. Because to me, that aspect is very much a documentary style. But then as it went on, I thought, no, that this is a film, but it also is kind of a documentary. It is kind of telling the story of what could have really happened. Um, so it was, it was at first a little off putting to me. Cause I was like, Oh, that doesn't look good from an editing standpoint. If you're doing a seamless cinematic movie, but then as it went on, I was like, okay, well that's kind of the point. Like it's, it's supposed to make you come out of the film and see real time things or real images or, you know, when it kept going back to the Vietnam footage and it was them, even though they were still older in it, which I loved that aspect, but they didn't get younger characters to play them. Um, it would go back to the four by three size screen. Like, so I loved that it was doing those callbacks at that point, And then it just kind of made sense to me. But at first it very much was, yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. It, that, that shouldn't be there. It's a documentary style. But even the the font and the, the text at the end, you know, when they put up the message at the end about Martin Luther King, even that was kind of, I don't want to say primitive, but kind of when it comes to editing style. So when I look at that, I think like, was that just a Spike Lee thing? Is he just a simple, simple editor and putting simple visuals because he wants the story to really tell itself. And that, I, I respect that so much from that story. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I, I feel comfortable calling Spike Lee a genius, um, but his films are occasionally messy. Uh, in this film, especially, there's some very sloppy editing and oh, yeah. some some ADR that is very like noticeable and obvious. Um, but those are small potatoes when it comes to the overall big picture of what this film is trying to convey. It is an education in a way. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, like like I said, it, it cuts away from the action to give you historical context. It does not shy away at all from the, you know, atrocities committed by um, the U S to, to, you know, towards the Vietnam uh, Vietnamese people. Like Mm -hmm. there's very like it'll cut to just sudden graphic imagery and like real photos and footage of war violence done to just like really just startling effect to kind of um, give like convey the sense like this is hell right <laughs> basically well that scene where like i don't know the, hopefully this doesn't spoil it for anybody but it's early on in the beginning but they literally show the the sh- gunshot of the the uh, army guy shooting the the vietnamese person like and it shows and it's real footage mm-hmm. and i thought oh in today's in today's world we put trigger warnings on everything and i thought oh that like that to me instantly was like oh we should have been warned about that but then I but was it's thinking, history. But it's history. So we shouldn't have been warned about it. We need to feel uncomfortable about these things. We need to see these images so we don't continue on doing this. Because now, you know, we knew better back then. But still, now we are more aware and more aware of these things. And so to see those jarring images, it is off-putting at first. But then as you go through the film, it's it's a long film. As you go through it, I would say maybe... The first, you know, hour, you know, you're like, oh, okay. But then you, you get the point of it. It just Mm -hmm. is such a bigger message than what the film actually is. 
Absolutely. I love how you mentioned uh, the the shifting aspect ratios because what Lee does um, during flashback scenes where they're showing you De Blood's um, you know inaction in the Vietnam War is that they that he shifts the aspect ratio to convey the time period that we're currently in. Um, he he doesn't bother de aging the actors in flashbacks or casting younger actors, and um, I think that's effective because. Uh, you can kind of suspend your disbelief mm-hmm. when uh, you're watching older actors and it may take you out of the movie if you're trying to figure out which of like, for example, if they cast younger, cast younger actors, it would be a distraction where you're trying to figure out which blood is which, you know what right. I mean? Right. Uh, so I love how you brought that up. And I also thought that those sequences, the war sequences were um, very harrowing. And I thought that conveyed the chaos of war very well. Also, what did you think of like the action? Um, I'm not typically a war fan. Like I'm not typically a film, a fan of those types of films, but this one I actually liked because I felt, I think it was because of the, the non de-aging of the cast. I felt like I could watch it and really watch the film itself. And so it, to me, I mean, it's scary to think about that. That's what was really going on, that it was very real and I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil the ending, but there's a scene, you know, with Paul and, you know, it's kind of that plot twist at the end and you realize why he is the way that he is and why he's seeing the ghost that he's seeing. But that in itself is a very real experience that people had and seeing that's jarring on screen, you know, the, I kind of want to spoil it for the people if they haven't seen it. But um, if you have seen it, you'll know the scene. It's, it's towards the end and it explains it. But just those war scenes it just made me think this is what really happened, really what they went through. And, you know, it's an uncomfortableness for me. And sometimes you have to be uncomfortable. And I think I'm glad I watched this movie. Oh, good. Yeah. I, I'm not a, I'm not a, a war movie fan either necessarily. I, I, I think there are a lot of war movies that I would consider to be some of the greatest ever made. Um, but I kind of dread watching them because war to me is, it's like too real for me where Mm -hmm. it's like i i I find it difficult to escape or or uh get lost in a war movie just because it's it's so like i get a knot in my stomach just thinking about the fact that i mean this movie is a fantasy it's not based on any like true events but um it's true to the experiences of these soldiers so I, i i just get a knot in my stomach when i think about having to watch a war movie um but or the anxiety, even the anxiety of it, like when they started going near the landmine fields, like, yeah, it's a fantasy. It's just written for a script, but that's a very real thing that's going on. I want to say, and again, not just not to spoil anything, but that scene in the um, the minefield is pr- probably one of my favorite scenes in any movie I've watched this year. Really? Absolutely uh, just like again, you're talking about anxiety. That scene. <laughs> that's the definition. You know, you're into a film when you start getting anxiety for what the characters are going through because you start feeling that heightened emotion. And it's like, is this really going to happen? And every like hair on your body stands up. And yeah, yeah. And and I think the way the way the war is portrayed in the movie, like there is no rah rah like patriotism at all in the movie it's stripped completely clean of that uh like i said for all intents and purposes um this this is a history lesson Mm -hmm. of racism in america and the experience of being black in america concealed in 
an action adventure movie. You know, it's like not only is it an indictment on American imperialism, I believe it's Chadwick Boseman's character who says, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like we've been dying for this country from the very beginning, hoping that one day, you know, they'd give us our rightful place um, and we're still fighting for it. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the timeliness of this movie, and that's what I think is so powerful about it, because um, it's about the like the lasting trauma of black men who fought in the war for a country that didn't even give them like basic civil rights Um, and the emotional impact it had on veterans. You mentioned the beautiful scene in which Paul talks about seeing ghosts. Ultimately though, even though it is about the horrors of, of war and the lasting trauma, ultimately the movie is about confronting the past and learning to heal. Mm -hmm. So there is an emotional catharsis. It's not all just war is hell. I mean, it is, and the movie conveys that very well, but there isn't an emotional catharsis that you get from the movie. Did you feel that as well? I did. And I also liked the fact that they um, have this bond that goes beyond the war and where the character of Paul kind of is having those freak out moments. Um, I can't remember the other character's name where he comes in and he tells him, you've got to breathe. It's okay. We all are going through this. We are all seeing this. So it's not necessarily just, you know, these four strong men on screen. They're having real emotional empathy for each other. And it was like these characters really have been friends for, you know, 30 years, you know, 40 years, however long it is. It's, it's, you, you feel that with them and and you see them kind of evolve throughout the film. And I think that's why I liked it because it wasn't just so heavily focused on the war. You know, I liked the scene where they were out at the bar and, you know, the, the David character goes and sits and meets the girl who's from Lamb. And I, I, I feel like it just, it gelled really well together. And when I first sat down to watch it, I was like two and a half hours. I was like, but then I was like, Oh wow. This like, it's something that is worth sitting through for two and a half hours because it takes you on all the emotions. Certainly. And let's 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 touch on the characters and the cast too and kind of talk about that a little bit more in depth because you mentioned the bond between the characters and the brotherhood that that is so evident um that comes across not only the, um just the way the characters are written but also in the performances. I mean, Delroy Lindo, if this man is not if he does not walk home with an Oscar on Oscar night this year, um th- then I- <laughs> I don't have much faith in the Academy to begin with anyway, right. but, but th- this is a fearless performance. Um, and his character is so layered too, because he's not an easy character to like. Right. Um, he, he, uh, he's unpredictable. He's short tempered. He's confrontational. Um, he's a Trump supporter, right? <laughs> much to the horror of the other, uh, the other blood. So he's not an easy character to like, but you understand uh, why he is the way that he is. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's severely haunted by post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. And uh, it's, it's so well-written and so well-performed. There's a moment later on that you touched on. Uh, that's like, it's like a Shakespearean soliloquy almost where it's just the camera focused on his face and you feel every single emotion. 
And I felt like that scene, I felt the the intention behind it was to go back to when he was having that conversation with his son and the camera was just on his son's face. And it's almost an uncomfortable angle. Like it's very much a like, I'm looking down at you angle. Mm-hmm. And just it's written all over um, Jonathan Major's face, who plays David. Like it's written all over his face of like, okay, I'm going to sit here and be told. And then it goes back to him where he is later on in the movie and he's having his soliloquy and he is just staring at the camera. And I feel like that was very foretelling that that moment was, was going to happen. And he, his emotional range throughout it, you have so much empathy for this character and you just want to go in and tell him that it's going to be okay, but it's (laughs) not, but it's not okay. And that's what he's trying to say. And he's trying to wake everybody up. So you forgive the Trump supporting and you forgive all of that, but he just, you can tell this character has gone through so much. And, and Delroy Lindo that I don't know if anybody else could play that role because he played that role so spot on and so perfectly. And if he doesn't win an Oscar, I mean, it's going to, this is, it'll be a shame if he doesn't even get nominated, that would be a shame. I 100% agree. And you you touched on uh, his son, David, played by Jonathan Majors. The relationship between him and his son is really the heart of the movie. And it's a great performance by Jonathan Majors, who um, was in my second favorite film of last year. I believe I put it as my number two of last year, which was um, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Um, have you seen that film, Paige? I haven't. I have not seen it. I'm going to look up and see what other films he's been in, but I haven't seen that. So it's on Amazon Prime, and I heartily recommend you and everyone listening, if you have not watched The Last Black Man in San Francisco yet, it's breathtaking. Um, and of course, Majors is great in his role as well um, as as Mort in that movie. But uh, a great performance. And I, all, of the, all of the Bloods, even though some of them get more development than others, I feel like uh, there are a couple that are shortchanged. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do really... Uh, think they all give outstanding performances. Clark Peters is Otis. Um, I, I was really pleased to see Norm Lewis show up in this movie. He's one of my favorite stage actors. Uh, he's been in a lot of musicals that, um, that, and his voice is just absolutely phenomenal. But in this one, he's definitely um, doing a more like straightforward dramatic role. And it's, it was refreshing to see him in a different type of role than I'm used to seeing him uh, play on stage. But then of course you have Chadwick Boseman, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is perfect casting because he's kind of like this ethereal uh, character, this kind of like mythic figure that people look up to. And and I feel like the movie draws very clear comparisons between him and Martin Luther King Jr. So he, he is kind of up on this pedestal. And so casting Black Panther in that role is right. so perfect. <laughs> right. I haven't seen Black Panther yet because we're going through all the Marvel movies right now, but we wanted to do them in order. And so we just finished Guardians of the Galaxy. So I'm like, I'm super excited because my favorite of the Marvel movies off topic um, are the X-Men and Storm. And so I know a lot about the Black Panther because in the comics, she's married to Black Panther. But um, so when I saw him in there, I was like, oh, yes, because like I've never really seen anything that he's in. And his character, I don't know, like it's just so powerful what what he says, the things that he says. Going back to that moment where he says, you know, like you said, you paraphrased it earlier, where he's talking about like fighting for the country that could care less if he's even there. Like the things that he's saying is really what the real Black Panther movement was all about. And it he just 
it was a really good role for him. And I liked that they didn't feature him a whole lot. You know, he was just in elements. And then when he, I don't want to ruin it, but when Paul has that vision towards the end, like the message that he sends to him is just, it's so powerful. Very moving. Yeah. It's like a moving, it's a moving situation. And, and you mentioned um, the fact that, he he's fighting for a country that could could care less. It's not even that they couldn't care less. It's that like they a, a country that actively hates him, right? Um, and, and and so that anger too fuels like not only because he's kind of as I mentioned, he's kind of like the Martin Luther King Jr. surrogate, where he's um kind of speaking truth to power to these kind of disciples or these people who are um, looking up to him as this, as this figurehead of, of change and movement, that catharsis that, that Paul gets from Storm and Norman at the end is, is just, it brings everything full circle. So there's a lot of characters. Do you think, I'm curious to get your input on this. Do you think that the characters could have been better fleshed out and their relationships better defined? And I also want to know if you thought the movie was too long, because personally, I think that this could have been longer or rather it could have been expanded into maybe a series, uh, a mini series or something, just to kind of flesh things out a little bit more. But what do you think? I, I felt like the, 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 when I first sat down to watch it, I was a little freaked out that it was two and a half hours. And then, cause I knew it was a war movie. And so I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch a war movie for two and a half hours. But then as it went on, I felt like the timing was really, it was really well done because you didn't feel like you were watching it. And I felt like it could have gone on a little bit more. But I definitely think this should have been a series. I think it could have been like a a six-part one-off series like sometimes Hulu does, you know, I or, you know, could have continued on. You never know. But I feel like I would like to see more or more of it broken up. Um, I feel like the characters, the, to me, I keep going back to Paul and David because it's clear that it's about their relationship and it's meant to be about their relationship, but the other characters, um, like I'm having a hard time remembering which one it was like Eddie or Melvin, the one who talks about how he lost everything. Like when he talks about how he lost his business and he starts divulging his stuff to his, his friends, the, the bloods, I felt like that's really good, but I would like to know where he came from essentially like why they assumed he had all this money why they assumed he was this big person because you don't really have a big backstory on any of the characters but they they centralize on paul's relationship with david so to to have that come out where they're like you're fine you're you'll be good you know when all this ends you've got money and he expands that he lost all of it who is he like i feel like we weren't really shown that so they didn't expand on the other characters, in my opinion. I, I think there were a couple lines to set up that he was very successful in like car, like the car dealership industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, I feel like each character could have been embellished on a little bit more just to make their relationships tighter and to give them a little bit more depth. I, I think a two and a half hour runtime for this is perfect in terms of it being a feature, but I almost think it could have been expanded upon. But bringing it back around, uh, I would love to get your final thoughts and your rating for Defive Bloods, page. Give it to me. What do you so got? I th- my final thoughts is I think that everybody needs to see this. I think that it sends the right message that we need to be hearing right now. The ending for me 
is kind of a little bit of like the once upon a time in Hollywood, how it, it kind of wraps it up really good. And like a, what if situation, what would have happened if this was a real story and this could have happened and, and what if we do empower the right people, you know, that's the, the message behind this is really good, but it's, it's a history lesson. And I think it's so important for people to know this history and know really where we came from, even though it's a fictional story, it's still very much real history of what happened. And so for me, it's a 10 out of 10. Wow. Wow. And uh, yeah, I I absolutely agree with everything you said. I mean, the last few years, Spike Lee has gifted us with the outstanding uh, Chirac, Black Klansman, and now Defy Bloods, which is perhaps his most ambitious movie yet um it's messy at times but it's genre filmmaking with with purpose and it's made from the heart um and it's powerful and it's prescient for the times in which we're currently living especially you know due to the fight for justice that's still raging Mm -hmm. on and the five bloods shows that you know we can try to ignore it all we like but we cannot deny history um we can't take back the pain inflicted on the citizens of foreign countries our own country um you know, war cuts deep and the scars linger. So um, if you have Netflix, I, the, um, the film's an essential watch. I think upon repeated viewings, it's possible that it could become a nine, but for right now, I'm uh, going to give it an eight out of 10 for Five Bloods. Definitely, definitely check it out. That's good. That's a good score. I only gave it a 10 because I feel like it's so important. Everybody go see it, you know. But there's some editing mistakes in there that could drop it to a nine. <laughs> you, you can, no, sure. You can you can pick things apart here and there. And for me, number ratings have always been arbitrary, and I've always dragged my feet in giving them. Um, if a film hits you hard emotionally on a certain level, which I think, based on what you said, this film did for you, then yeah. I absolutely understand that 10 out of 10 rating. I mean, the way that this film hits emotionally is so palpable, so powerful. So... Um, 8 out of 10 for me, 10 out of 10 from Paige. Don't miss Five Bloods, the new Spike Lee joint. And thank you both very much for Perfect. the uh, the in-depth review. And yeah, whenever I, can, whenever I get my Netflix subscription back, it will definitely be at the, at the top of my list because I know it's being very highly recommended by a lot of other uh, peers that we have in the, in the movie podcasting realm. Uh, Paige is going to be saying goodbye to us, unfortunately, because she... Did not have the distinct displeasure of watching The Last American Virgin. So, if you could, Paige, uh, before you run away, could you please let us know where out there on the web people can find you, uh, your amazing show, and of course, uh, the Fred Heads documentary? Sure, thank you. So, you can find Elm Street Radio everywhere on all social media platforms at Elm Street Radio. You can also find um, information about the Fred Heads documentary on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, at Fred Heads Doc. And then you can find me on Twitter at the.page.life. And thank you guys so much for having me on. This has been so much fun. It was a pleasure. Thank you you very much for being here. (laughs) What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Nick checking in with you here from the editing room on episode release day. I am so 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 sorry that this episode is not already in your ear holes but unfortunately we just recorded so much audio that uh, it kind of stumped me it kind of threw me for a loop in in the editing room and i just threw my hands up and kind of walked away from it and i came back at today with fresh ears and 
this needs to be two episodes. It needs to be two episodes because Lois Austin and I went for a long, and I mean a long recording on The Last American Version, and it's too good of a conversation and analysis of the film. I didn't want to cut big chunks of it wholesale, but I also don't want to drop another two-hour episode on you guys. So this episode here, this review of The Five Bloods is going to go up as its own mini-sode, and then it will be followed very, very shortly, within a couple of hours, by the full full in-depth analysis of the last american version our continuing canon quarantine series so i do apologize for the lateness of the episode but i'm going to go ahead and finish this outro so i can get it to you guys thank you so so much everybody out there for listening thank you very much Paige joy for being on the show check out all her links down in the show notes and until next time we will see you at the movies mm-hmm.